1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting.
0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening.
2: Hi, this is Newt. Due to the virus, I'm recording from home. So you may notice a difference in audio quality. On this episode of Newt's World, protesters in Seattle, Washington, continue to occupy a six block area of the city they've renamed Capitol Hill occupied protest. Once called, quote, the Summer of Love by Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin, over the last weekend, CHOP had four shooting incidents, including one murder of a 19-year-old man. After police were blocked by protesters from getting to the shooting victims, Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin announced Monday that police officers would take back East Precinct Capitol Hill, which was abandoned earlier this month and boarded up. What is happening in Seattle? is a microcosm example of what can happen when chaos and anarchy rule the streets. The idea of cha, once ideological, in practice is proven that when the police are not allowed to keep law and order, mob rule can very quickly overtake an area. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, John Carlson. He is the conservative voice in Seattle. He hosts talk radio on 570 KBI weekday mornings and is a political analyst and strategist. John Carlson is synonymous with Washington state politics. Simply put, he is the conservative voice in Seattle. John has been a friend for many years. He is remarkably insightful. And of course, he's been right in the middle of the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone fiasco. I thought it would be great to get John's close up view of exactly what's going on. John, tell us what you're seeing.
3: What we're seeing is the fourth shooting in three days in what is now called the CHOP Zone. That's its fourth name, by the way. And what is happening here, it's almost surreal, is that the police are not able to go in to this small area surrounding the East Precinct, which is boarded up and closed, to investigate crime scenes because the so-called residents of the CHOP Zone Block them, and the police are not allowed to use force to push their way in. So it is an absolute, almost bizarre, surreal situation. For instance, if you are the victim of a crime in this small area of Capitol Hill, which is the very liberal, gentrified, predominantly gay part of Seattle, if you are a victim of a crime there, The police chief has asked that you make your way out of that area and report your crime then, and the police will come and talk to you outside the CHOP zone. So if you're the victim of a crime, they won't come to where you are. You have to go out to them. It's that bizarre, Newt.
2: Let's go back, though. I mean, it's strange to me. The two centers of this kind of insanity are Portland and Seattle. Why historically did Seattle evolve like this?
3: This happened with the yawning gap between the private sector, where there's a great deal of innovation and technology, and the public sector, which is all about retro left-wing politics, playing off the resentments of people who are successful in high tech. And a lot of people no longer paying attention A company just announced they're leaving Seattle. They said, for one thing, there's no downtown business leadership anymore. And the business is correct. That has kind of withered away. The person who heads the Seattle Chamber of Commerce doesn't have a business background. She has a political background as a Democrat from another city, and she's leaving. When you look at what has happened is that Democrats have not said no, have not pushed back on left wing extremism, which is why it's gone completely out of control at this point.
2: Wasn't there a business community slate that had substantial backing and then it all blew up at the last minute?
3: It blew up at the last minute because Amazon really mishandled it. Amazon tried to throw, I think, a million dollars into getting rid of several left-wing members of the city council. That instantly turned it into a mandate, send Amazon a message. And the person they were trying to get rid of, Shama Sawant, who is not just a socialist, but I'm talking hardcore, right out of Caracas, Venezuela socialist. She gets reelected and several of her friends also get elected who weren't expected to win just two weeks before. So that's how you end up with this radicalized city council. About one-third of the members of the nine-member council are anti-cop. They don't like cops. And so here's the background to how this whole thing started, because the media have kind of missed the point. After the rioting in Minneapolis, We had a problem in downtown Seattle as well. And after the police precinct was torched in Minneapolis, radicals went looking for a precinct in Seattle to attack. Well, the police fortified all the precincts. And so the protesters decided on one, the East precinct on Capitol Hill, about a mile east of downtown. And so they went to 11th and pine street and they faced off against the cops and the cops had the area protected well that should have been it but they showed up the next day and this time they brought rocks and bricks and other weapons and at a predetermined moment they started throwing them at the cops but the police lines held and they did this day after day now you're a historian newt you Recognize this isn't a protest. This is a siege.
2: Why weren't they arrested?
3: Because the city hall leadership, Mayor Jenny Durkin, did not want them arrested. She suspended all permitting requirements. She did not allow anyone to be arrested for protesting Black Lives Matter, the death of George Floyd, or anti cop activism. She said she wanted maximum free speech. Now, they could have been diverted into a nearby park, which was all of 50 feet away and have your free speech rallies, your demonstrations. You can hate on the cops all you want, but you do it in the park. You can't line up against the police. But instead, City Hall forced the police to take this abuse day after day. And when the police would finally lash out, not by making arrests for felony assault, but spraying the crowd with pepper spray or using blast balls or other types of non-lethal devices, they were the ones who were attacked for attacking peaceful protesters. So again, the cops couldn't win. And after 11 days, Jenny Durkin... Who was once on the shortlist during the Obama administration to be the next attorney general, she finally cried uncle and told the police chief to close the precinct. And they did. And after it was boarded up, these protesters rushed in. And it's kind of like the dog who caught the fire engine. They said, Well, not only is the precinct closed, but it's vacated. There's no cops here. We can do what we want. So they tried to figure out what they were going to do. And now we see what's going on.
2: What is Durkin's background? Why is she so far to the left?
3: Jenny comes from a democratic Catholic family. Her father was a baron in the Washington State Senate, a power broker, very respected. His name is Martin Durkin. I think there were like eight or nine kids in the family. Jenny was always a partisan Democrat, and because she was a Seattle politician, she leaned to the left to get elected. But she doesn't have her father's political skills, and she didn't push back on extremism the way, let's say, Ed Koch did when he was mayor of New York. Instead, she's been intimidated by them. And so that is why she is in the fix that she's in right now. Her summer of love looks a lot less like Woodstock than it does Altamont.
2: You wrote on June 11th in the Wall Street Journal an article called Officials Skedaddle in Seattle, and you compared what happened this year with the 1999 World Trade Organization protest. What are the differences, and to what extent have the left evolved in their ability To sustain these
3: things. The difference is that when the police chief lost control of the streets, the police chief was good as gone and he lost his job. The mayor ran for a re-election the following year and he lost his job. Currently, the police chief, she's just not standing up to the mayor and that's what you needed here was a police chief who said after what our officers have been through i'm not going to shutter that precinct and put people's lives in danger response times for 911 calls are 2 to 3 times longer than they formerly were in that area of the city i'm not going to do that instead she did what the mayor told her to and now the problems are far worse so they're going to have to try and figure out a way to retake the precinct in the WTO Frankly, Seattle was a liberal city leaning left. Now it's left wing. Seattle is now a left wing city.
2: Has the media done the same thing? Are they further to the left than they were?
3: Actually, no. The local media coverage of the CHOP zone has been pretty good. There has been a lot of pushback, starting with how Seattle both enabled and encouraged the growth of homeless culture. We've had the same problems they had down in San Francisco, and a lot of people are pushing back because the political narrative that these people are living in tents because they can't afford a place to live is on its face nonsense. What has happened is that drug use is all but decriminalized, and I'm not talking marijuana, Newt, I'm talking, you can have up to six grams of heroin and they will not charge you in King County. You can have up to six grams of meth and they won't charge you. So, of course, that means it's de facto
2: legal. So do you have a substantial drug population now?
3: We do now. I mean, basically, that's recruiting people to move to your city and because they don't prosecute people for those offenses they won't prosecute you i'm not making this up i promise newt they will not prosecute you in the city of seattle if you shoplift less than 25 dollars they won't even arrest you if so if you have a bag of stuff and it adds up to less than 25 dollars they just tell you to go on your way and frankly a lot of cops say it's way higher than 25 dollars That is the tolerance policy on illegal and aberrant behavior by people who are chronically lawless, drug addicts, drug pushers, etc.
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast.
1: wherever you listen.
2: Do you think the mayor really did mean that it could be a summer of love? Yes, because
3: she was hoping against hope, what she thought could happen. And again, that's because she was simply... Looking at what she had now that she lost control of the city, she was trying to conjure up the best possible outcome. The best possible outcome wasn't remotely connected to reality.
2: Some people have said to us that for a while there, it looked much better during the daytime. It still is.
3: Yeah. You go during the day and you'll see people. Who are just hanging out, having a good time, especially when the weather's good. You'll see a couple of small teach ins going on, but then you will see other areas that are almost no go zones. Because I was talking about homeless drug addicts who were pitching their tents in downtown Seattle. Now they've moved them to the park. And so you've got nearly a hundred of these tents set up and these people say hey don't be walking through here you say well it's a park i don't care i'm living here now you get a lot of that there's also an area that is barricaded by white volunteers you can't go into the area of the park unless you're african american it's a blacks only zone so in the name of progress and civil rights they are enforcing segregation.
2: There's a great deal of that going on right now, where all of a sudden, equality means black only.
3: Yeah, equality means that you emphasize and obsess on racial differences and on race rather than minimize the issue of race.
2: Has black lives mattered in any role in Seattle? There's a split in Black Lives Matter. There are
3: the activists who think that the CHOP zone is completely overshadowing Black Lives Matter. Our message is completely lost here. And it's not lost on them that they are literally losing black lives now in the CHOP zone. Then there are others who are thinking, well, this is our power. We control this place, especially after dark. And so there's a little bit of tension there. There's a great deal of tension now between people who are already living in apartments, condos, and homes in the CHOP zone before all of this started, Newt. And they are being pushed around. They're told where they can go and not go. They're being harassed and intimidated. A Democratic friend of mine said that her niece has lived there for 10 years and the landlord had had to hire private security and even that wasn't enough and he is now telling everyone in their apartment to leave he's saying leave the apartment we've got to board up the building it's no longer safe for you here so first the police had to leave and then with no police protection now apartments are starting to close and residents are being told to leave
2: i guess they don't have any recourse they can't sue the city or anything
3: No, and if someone breaks into their home and steals their stuff, they can't call 911 because the cops can't go into that part of the city.
2: Was that just a temporary flare up, or do you think it's a function of the ecosystem that they're creating?
3: No, it's a deteriorating situation, Newt. It's not going to get better anytime soon because there's no one there to restore order. It will only get better when the police reclaim. The chop zone. And my advice for Jenny Durkin is I said, look, just pretend the people who took over the chop zone are all Trump supporters. Just pretend they're all wearing red Make America Great Again hats. You would clear that area out in minutes. It would not take you long. You tell the police chief, draw up a plan, overwhelming force. We're retaking this part of Seattle. We're reopening the police precinct drive those people out of there. So again, if they were all Trump supporters, she would do that on a dime. But because they're all on the political left, she just sits there and wonders what to do next.
2: I saw an interview today where she was saying that she hopes to get them to voluntarily move out.
3: Why should they?
2: They were going to go talk to them and ask them, wouldn't they please move out now?
3: We've seen the same thing from time to time from college presidents. The students will take over a building and they fret and wring their hands and just aren't sure what to do. I don't know if you remember this, Newt, but there's kind of a freeform state college called the Evergreen State College yes. out here. And two years ago, they had the same problem. Left wing extremists took over the campus. They literally hounded and forced a Bernie Sanders supporting Jewish professor off the campus. They drove him off the campus. They broke into meetings and told the college president where he could go and where he couldn't go. The college was literally melting down and the governor said nothing. Local alumni said nothing. The faculty didn't know what to do, all because these people were on the left. And that's the real lesson here.
2: How did that end up?
3: Evergreen, in a state where every campus is filled to capacity, Evergreen has lost more than 20% of its student body, a third in the last decade. So they are way down. They've lost faculty. They've lost money. They've had to postpone campus construction projects. They've lost what little stature they had. Basically, the campus has crumpled and they're trying to figure out what to do next. What they need to do next is get a new college president because the guy they had is just a parody of political correctness. But it's very interesting. Just as Jay Inslee ducked that, he's ducking this one. And at first, even though it had been widely reported about the CHOP zone two weeks ago, he said, I hadn't heard about that. Of course he had heard about it. And then, just over the weekend, he said, well, people need to come together and solve this. No leadership whatsoever.
0: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
1: Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on post reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too.
2: have enough people to clear the zone?
3: The National Guard has already been deployed. Yes, all they need is the authority to enforce the law. That really is the problem. Everything that's gone wrong in Seattle in the last few years is all about not enforcing laws that are on the books. The police department could reclaim that area in a day. But they're not going to be able to do it unless they have the green light to enforce the law. It's a simple decision, but she just is worried about how that could come out for her politically.
2: How many hundred people are involved?
3: Well, in terms of those who would aggressively fight the police if they knew that they would be arrested, if they knew they would face consequences, we're talking about maybe a couple hundred people and a hardcore of Antifa and Black Lives Matter militants of maybe several dozen. That's all that is controlling this small sector, five blocks worth of Seattle. And the thing is, the situation is so bad now that if they cleared it out, the mayor would probably come out of this looking good. But again, she's just afraid to give the green light.
2: What role did Antifa
3: play in this whole thing? Antifa were the ones who were leading the siege. It was Antifa that would have a daily protest at 11th and Pine. The first 20 feet or so were people wearing helmets, goggles, backpacks stuffed with weaponry carrying umbrellas when the police would break out the tear gas. And the people in back of them were mostly young, peaceful, Black Lives Matter and other protesters who were supporting civil rights, who were supporting George Floyd, who were critical of the police, but they weren't there to attack them and they weren't there to vandalize the police precinct so that's how the left always works you know the hardcore are up front and the peaceful protesters are in the back
2: so granted that seattle itself is very left-wing what's the reaction of your audience across the state of washington
3: it's interesting because you heard donald trump address this at his rally he said we could go in there and just reclaim the area but maybe we should just let it simmer and let people see this is what happens when you have liberal democrats catering to left-wing interests this is what you'll end up with and i think a lot of people in washington are feeling that way other people are saying you know what this is getting dangerous people are dying it's time to move in and reclaim the area it's now and it's no longer merely dangerous. It's now getting deadly.
2: Do you think the experience of all this will move the non-Seattle part of the states any more towards conservatism, or is it just a passing moment?
3: I think there will be a backlash, and I think that there's going to be a growing backlash around the country to this kind of disorder and this kind of hatred being vented, because that's really what's going on here is This has turned into a hate movement against America in general and police officers in particular. And I think there's widespread revulsion about that. People are getting tired of this. People are by and large on the side of the Seattle police. They're taking abuse they shouldn't have to take. And here's how it's going to end, Newt. You're going to see businesses move out of Seattle. You're going to see people move out of seattle you're going to see the police pull back and not engage in proactive policing just answer 911 calls and as a result you are going to see crime and violence spike in seattle and everywhere else and it's going to mean more black lives will be lost to crime and violence
2: i think that's almost certainly the pattern if you look at the violence over the weekend It was pretty astonishing in New York, Chicago, and Minneapolis. Over 100 people shot over Father's
3: Day weekend in Chicago.
2: 24 died. It makes you wonder why Black Lives Matter doesn't care about black lives if they're being shot by criminals. Because it's not about
3: race for them. It's about anti-cop ideology. It's ideology that's driving this, and the ideology doesn't care about lives. For heaven's sakes, one of the dead in Chicago is a three-year-old toddler. You would think that that would galvanize a community. That would bring out the press conferences and the civil rights leaders and the mayor and the city council. You would think that that is what would get people enraged, but no.
2: John, as always, you are remarkable you've been a great force in washington and i'm thrilled that you would take this time to talk with us
3: newt thank you very much for the invitation it's always great talking to you
2: thank you to my guest john carlson you can read more about seattle's capitol hill occupied protest and the violence there on our show page at newtsworld.com newt's world is produced by gingrich 360 and iHeart media our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garns Islam. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Pepper. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich360. Please email me with your questions at gingrich360.com questions. I'll answer them in future episodes. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, I have a candid discussion with my guest, Gerard Robinson, as he shares with us what it's like to be black in America right now. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World.
0: From BBC Radio 4. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity Voice Remote. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile,